Welcome to the Canicuck Institute podcast, where we continue to equip leaders with biblical skills for a lifetime of ministry. Hello, this is Keith Chancy with the Canicuck Institute podcast coming live from Branson, Missouri. We are so excited today that you guys are listening to us and we are excited about what we're going to talk about today. I have two very dear friends, Canicuck Institute alumni. And we have Chris and Lauren here today who are missionaries, and we want to welcome them to the audience today to come in and share with you guys their story, because I don't know where you're at in your life, but I do know this. God has put you where you're at for a reason. But these two came to the Institute, and they were here in Branson. They were being equipped like a lot of you out there. And they had no idea what their next steps were going to be. But I'm going to let them share how they are doing what they're doing today and how they are making impacts in our world for Jesus Christ. Because our goal for all of you out there is that you'll go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. So we're going to talk a little bit about missions and discipleship today. And we cannot wait to encourage you guys and for you to feel this encouragement. So, Chris, I'm going to start with you today. You know, you came to the Institute, and I remember you just as... You were what, a quarter miler or an 800 runner from college? Is that what you were? You were a runner and you came in and I'm like, dude, who is this guy who just looks like a stud athlete? I mean, you're one of those guys, you know, and and, and you kind of began to learn the Institute. And when you got through with your year, we asked you to do something. Do you remember that part of of your part of the year at the Institute? Well, first of all, I think you're very kind to say that I looked like a stud athlete. Yeah. I think I looked like a uh, a very skinny half miler, uh, but very kind of you. In 05 and 06 was the year that I went through the Institute. It was a great, a great class, a great year. Um, and just a year to sit down and, and say, hey, I'm not really sure what my next steps in my life right. are going to be, but we need to equip ourselves. Yeah. And I, I think you're referring to maybe... Uh, the Bible overview yes, project. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that that's a, a big part of, I think has been everyone's mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. going through the Institute. And then even a couple, as I was on staff later, yes. get to take part in the belief statement project. Yes. That's still a staple for the Institute. But yeah, that's, that's what you're referring Absolutely. to. Absolutely. You know, Chris, one of the things I remember about you so much just back in that day, cause I want to go past and then I want to go present. Mm-hmm. You know, your past was that I noticed you, you know, you were a guy that really had a desire to know and to learn and you took the year serious. And when your year was over, man, I watched you do the overview of the Bible. I watched you, you know, really handle accurately the word of truth. You had no idea what your next steps were going to be. But yet at the end, we asked you to do something. We asked you to do a job right here at the Canicuck Institute. Do you remember what <clears throat> you did that year? Yeah. So as finished up with the Institute, Got the opportunity to to be a part of another great ministry that you were yeah. influential in and going to in K Life and was yeah. a part of yeah. K Life for a year and a half and then yeah you guys said hey come come we on back you back come on you back to, to the K-Life. institute you learned how to do a ministry there you were faithful to God's calling to go there you you were content what's interesting is that you just said sure I'll go do what God wants me to do and then when we asked you to come back we had to go to K Life and say hey well can we steal this guy from you guys and you came back. And you served here as a men's dean, and you really invested into those men, entrusting them in the Word of God and making sure they're being disciplined and, and get rid of old, old, old habits. You did that very, very well. But you had no idea uh, at that time there was a girl that had now come along the scene, right? Yes. Yeah, so, and Lauren, and- tell me a little bit about you, because you, you came to the Institute, 
And tell me about your year at the Institute. So enter in the, the romance. Oh, yeah. So I came in 2008. Okay. And um, I was just so excited to spend a year studying God's Word. I knew from, I think, like my freshman year in college that I wanted to do it. And just kind of planned for that mm. my whole time because I just said, I, I want to have a year knowing God's word yeah. and and that being foundational and impactful and, and preparation for whatever I do yeah. in my life after that. But I didn't know that someone on staff at the Institute would later be my husband. That's, That's right. Happened. You know, Lauren, I remember you, you know, as I do, Chris, that y'all both came in serious and you really wanted to learn, like you said. As a freshman, you knew you wanted to do the Institute. How did you know you wanted to do the Institute? I remember I heard about Canna Cook my freshman year of college yeah. at Clemson. I went to K-West my first summer, and I think it was probably there at K-West that I heard someone come and talking about the Institute. And I I just thought, I don't feel like I have that knowledge of, of God's mm-hmm. Word just fully and, and, you know, what you would gain after eight months of intentional learning and and being equipped and and I want that and I just could sort of see I think in that moment how I knew that would be beneficial to my life my ministry mm-hmm. my family whatever would come mm-hmm. in my life moving forward and so I I just thought well yeah it's so certainly worth that investment mm-hmm. of those 8 months of my life mm-hmm. to do that so both of you guys y'all really felt as young folks you know as your end of college came to a close that this is something you needed to do to become equipped and that equipping, you know, you had no idea what your next future is going to be. And so, you know, Lauren, talk a little bit about what you, what you did after the Institute, because if the goal was equipping, how did that lead you to your next step? Yeah. So I was always eager. I was always a few steps ahead because in December, I remember going home for Christmas break and I was already thinking like, okay, what am I going to do after the Institute? Yeah. And I was scrolling at home in Boston, Massachusetts on the website that had job opportunities that Canica, that the Institute offered or told you about. Yeah. And so I saw on the bottom there, there was something, I think it was one of the very last ones. It said light bearers ministries. Yeah. And it was a ministry focused on discipleship and the nations. And so you would live in a house with college girls, disciple them, and then take them on mission trips overseas. Yeah. And so I thought, man, this is so perfect to, as a culmination of my time at the Institute to finish learning God's mm-hmm. word, be able to pour it into other young girls. Yes. And then this passion that I had already had, from an experience in college um, to go overseas and take them on mm-hmm. mission trips. And mm-hmm. so uh, it would just seem perfect. And, um, and that was what I was able to do after the Institute. I love that. Years. But, but you had met this young man at the Institute, but it doesn't sound like it, it uh, prevented you from seeking God's will. Yeah. I, I think as, Chris just did that year so well and that we were asked not to date. And he was very intentional to say, we're not going to be together. I'm not going to be texting you. We're, we're just be in groups. And it was a sweet year. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it was a sweet year to just to start to see his character mm. in groups so that by the time we went on our first date, the day after I graduated, mm. um, I, I just knew him so well. And I just saw this character and this integrity that I had never seen in anybody else before. And so, but all on that year, as I was just praying, and then after we started dating as well, just there were these little things that the Lord was planting in my heart of discipleship in the nations. And, and, and we were having those conversations and I just kept sort of trusting that the Lord was leading me mm-hmm. in him and that I was never going to compromise what the Lord was asking mm-hmm. me to, but he also never asked me to leave Chris. He, yeah. and it was just clear that he was 
putting on, on both of our hearts sort of similar things as we continued to grow in him and grow together. And so I was just listening to the Lord. I was watching Chris and following him and the Lord just kind of continued to, to show each of us what he was starting to have for us. And so, yeah. And I, I think in our, in our, you just had said this this morning when we got to speak at the class this morning, which was fun. But as we started in our marriage, we had just had some discussions and saying, as we commit to marriage, we want our entire history of our marriage, all of our marriage to be about discipling people. Yes. And so wherever that leads us, uh, this needs to be a key component where, wherever we are, wherever we do. And at that point, um, you know, tying this back into to yeah. missions, that wasn't something that was on our radar. Yeah. We were just saying, hey, God's word is so important and it's so valuable and discipleship at every step of our lives, every phase and every stage is going to play a part. We don't know what that's going to look like, mm-hmm. but it's going to play a key part. And then as uh, Lauren began to work at this job, discipling these girls and taking them on trips overseas, yeah. it began this growth in our hearts together. I mean, at the, I think at early in our in our first year of marriage, maybe even in like premarital counseling, as we talked about, like, how do we grow together spiritually? Yeah. It was like, my, one of my deep passions at that time, and still, but before I was really on board with as much of the mission, uh, missions aspect was I want to be about really clearly communicating the gospel mm-hmm. to people that maybe don't have clear grasp of the gospel. And Lauren in the similar way, but also then bringing in this like nations and, and global missions aspect. And as we began to grow together in that, her time at this ministry put us in a position where over our first year, our first anniversary, she was supposed to lead a trip to a country in Southeast Asia. And leading up to that, we were linking, oh, this will be really fun. We'll celebrate our first year of marriage overseas. How yeah. exotic and exciting is that? And so we had this thought that we would do this trip for two weeks and then we would stay for two weeks in this country and travel and eat and have fun and and we got onto a Skype call with uh, the couple that was hosting us that that had lived in this country, and and they said to us in our very first meeting, "Hey, we want you guys to pray about the six months leading up to this trip and consider joining the long term work here in this country." And we kind of were shocked. Our, I mean, we were like, "Oh, wait, this is a video call. They can see our shock." Yeah, I think, on yeah, our faces. Yeah. We were thinking we were going to look and see if these were some weird missionaries. Or and maybe get a packing list, not be challenged to pray about a life altering decision. Yes. And so that's kind of what set some of those pieces in motion for us. And I don't know if you want to Lauren talk about Well, one thing I just have watched as I'm hearing you guys speak, and I loved what you said, Lauren, you saw something in Chris, his character. You saw him willing to do whatever it was to follow Christ. He was being prepared by God for the next step. Chris, you are watching Lauren willing to go do light bearers. She was willing to go and do what God called her to do, even more than you guys becoming a couple. So there was an element of contentment that you guys both felt before y'all ever really said, we've got to have this relationship together. Then you get in a relationship and y'all go, wow, this is great. And in that, because y'all had done it right, y'all had become equipped. You understood the Great Commission. I'm going to go make disciples. You have been entrusted with the word of God, and now God gave you a conviction to take it to the next step. You go, we've been, we've been faithful in K-Life, at the Institute, in Light Bearers. Y'all had really dug down deep inside of yourself, found out who y'all are, your gifts, 
And so now here you are on this mission trip going, we're just here kind of maybe just to have fun for a moment. And it became life changing. And I need everybody out there to hear this couple had prepared themselves long before this trip ever happened. Their dedication unto the Lord, their faithfulness unto the Lord, to the word of God, to the equipping. And now here they are. They're being asked, will y'all consider making a life-altering decision to stay in a country far from family, far from the things they've grown accustomed to? And now here they are. And so, Lauren, what was your feelings at this moment? Because you've got to be going, wait a minute. We're, if we do this, wow, right? Yeah, it was a shock for sure. But also, I think by God's grace, because there had been this little thing planted in me from when I heard about unreached people groups for the first time in college and then been on some of these trips, there was this little thing in me starting to grow, I think, where I was like, oh, Lord, is this going to be the culmination of what you've been preparing both of us for? And I think for us, what it looked like from the, um, the moment of, you know, will you go to how did we say yes? because I know you've said some people out there might be going, hey, is this is this for me? I'm, I'm thinking about next steps overseas. And so there was kind of three key things for us that were just a, a big part of, of us helping mm. make that transition. The first is that we just asked the Lord and, and we were given this opportunity. And so whenever someone presents you with an opportunity to to follow the Lord or, or to to fill a need, um, you know, it just causes us to ask the Lord. So we went on this trip and the whole time we're saying, God, is this what you have for us? And well, and I, I will continue in a second, but I will cut you off a minute and say, uh, they, you know, they gave us this opportunity and we like good Christians said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll pray about it. There and, you go. and then we get off the call and we go, oh, we probably actually should probably really pray. Really about pray this. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Lauren. So while we were there, a question we just started asking the Lord was, was not, Lord, should we do this? But is there any reason we shouldn't do this? Because I think go. if we just love, said, love should that. we, it could be kind of hard to hear the Lord saying yes, because you're just going to hear in yourself a lot of reasons why the answer should be no. So we said, God, is there any reason we shouldn't? Because we were overseas and we're starting to see the realities of things that we had heard for a while now, like, you know, there's 7,400 unreached people groups in the world, or there's one gospel worker for every 500,000 Muslims. These things that felt like these spiritual injustices that I'm teaching college girls, and then I'm there and I'm seeing it and I'm going, oh, this is the reality. This is the most populous Muslim nation in the world. Lord, is there any reason we shouldn't be a part of this? And and the foundations of scripture, which are pointing already to that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All throughout scripture. Mm -hmm. And that was at the Institute starting to see from Genesis to Revelation, this golden thread over and over and over of the ethne, the ethne, every people group, every tribe and tongue. Um, The other thing was that we just said, Lord, we're going to go through one open door at a time. We came home from the trip and we just said, Lord, we want to go through an open door and, and go through a door and see if you open it or you close it. And so Chris, you know, told his job, Hey, I'm thinking of doing this, but can I work for another year? And they said, yes. Okay. That's an open door. Next open door. Hey, we're going to start raising support. The Lord raises this money for us. The next open door, we apply with our mission org. And so the Lord just, instead of waiting for some thing in the clouds or some big clear answer, this word from the Lord audibly, we just said, we're just going to go through doors until he either lands us overseas or closes them. And so the big deal there is that you guys began to come back and go, we've got to be serious about this. We're not just playing around. We're about to make a major decision in our life. If this is what God wants, we're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to make sure this is what God wants in our life. Because I'm sure there were some fears a little bit in that. Because you're going, if we do this, 
This is our life. And so, yeah. you know, you, you know, Chris, I'm, and you're the leader. You're yeah. going, wait, and, how do we make that decision? And it's interesting. You know, there's, there's a story that I sometimes tell people, uh, and it just kind of illustrates a little bit, but but the, the realities of what you're saying of like, oh, we have to give things up, and and somewhat embarrassing to myself that these were things that that were difficult to me. But I'll be I'll be transparent as we were praying through this decision early on and saying what would stop us from going. Like if we stood before yes. Jesus and He said, "Hey, I put this opportunity. Why didn't you go?" And so we kind of approached it from that point. Yes. And and a couple of things that that rose up for me were. Well, I really like my Jeep and I really like my boat and I like going to Table Rock on the weekend and our small group at church is fantastic. We have a ton of fun. And you know, I would be so much more ashamed to stand before Jesus one day and say, well, we did, we said no because the joy that I got out of going to Table Rock on the weekend with my boat or driving right. my Jeep around with that, which, you know, all of those that have Jeeps and take the tops off, you can appreciate that. Keith, you can appreciate that. Oh, I can appreciate the joy. that greatly, you know? But you wouldn't want to stand before the Lord no. and say, well, it was this. This you know? is my reason of comfort. Yeah. So, and there was, there was fear in that. And so yeah. you, you go, but, but it, okay, that's a silly reason. I don't want to stand before Jesus yes. and have that be the thing between us. So um, Lauren, you've said that prayer and fasting was so big. And then that was the one. The second thing that you said, what was it? The open door, just the going open through door. open God doors. God opened doors and that he mm-hmm. provided the means, mm-hmm. uh, began to provide the, the finances. Mm-hmm. You know, as yeah. Paul said in, in Philippians 4, he, had, you know, he says, this, my secret is I've learned how to be content. Mm-hmm. And that secret was no longer a secret to you guys. You're going, man, I feel in my heart that God has called us. Because people are weary about this. How do I know a calling? Yeah. And so y'all proceeded to say, God, if this is your will, yeah. make this happen. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, and I was just going to, and, and then just the other kind of paradigm shift for us that someone challenged us in thinking through was this phrase of planning to go overseas, yes. but willing to stay in the States versus planning to stay in the States versus willing to go. Because yeah. if you're planning to stay why would you ever go? There's no there's no good reason to go because you're planning to stay here and so you're building your roots deep. But if you say, Lord, I'm planning to go and I'm only willing to stay in the States if you call me to stay, then you're going to probably find yourself overseas because he you, you see in scripture that Jesus is praying for more workers for the harvest field. Mm-hmm. And so I think that for us was this paradigm shift as well. We're going, okay, open doors, Lord, is there any reason we shouldn't go? And then okay, Lord, we're going to actually start to plan to go yes. and we'll only stay if you change the course. And so we share that a lot with people to just say, when you see God's heart for the nations and you see these spiritual injustices and people present to you opportunities overseas, what would it look like for you to actually plan to go mm. and only be willing to stay if he shifts it? That's good. And and I'll, I'll back that too by, uh, for all those that are listening and going, well, you know, what if, what, what does it look like to not go? Well, I think, Interestingly, uh, when I was on staff at the Institute here, uh, Brad Ashby, good friend of mine, yes. for years be- previous, before I had even really, and he was kind of part of those discussions early, but before I had even been thinking about going overseas, he's like, I want to go to Africa. I want to uh, go overseas. And um, a, a similar time when uh, when they they, Brad and his wife, Sarah, go to Africa and they do a survey there, and they're two months, and they're longing for it to go, and they're planning to go, but willing to stay. Yes. And it was a hard thing for them because the Lord made it clear to them, 
and shut doors and yes. put things that were stopping them, even though their hearts were burning to go. And so they're, they're now, you know, as an example of the reverse of that. They're, they're in-state missionaries where yeah. you're out of the country. And they're doing the same stuff that we're doing. They're training exactly. up people, leading people to Christ, seeing internationals because they care about unreached mm. people groups. And so it's fun to see too. And back to your point, just about being obedient. I think the thing we would want to leave people with is that we're not better because we go. That's mm. not the better thing to do. The better thing to do is just to ask the Lord and say, God, I'm willing to do whatever because I want to be so a part of the thing that you're so a part of and your heart is so for the nations. And so God, how do you want to use me for that? Do you want to do it here? I'll disciple the nations here. I'll disciple people here. I'll care about the lost here, or I'll do it to the end of the mm. earth. But ask the Lord what he has for you mm. and be willing to be obedient to whatever that is. You know, Lauren, Chris, the thing that I just hear you guys say is that you had pre- God had prepared your hearts. Y'all knew that there was something bigger coming for you guys. Prayed, fasted, got yourself equipped. And then when you heard the calling, you knew that if it was God's will, he would provide the means, he'd provide the place. And so you guys, as Paul said in Philippians, that the people began to take care of him. And he knew that his mission was right because the people began to give whatever resources they need to make that happen. And y'all began to have the resources. And now you took your obedience and your discipline to a third world and God began to use you in mighty ways. And to this day, God has been using you guys. How long have y'all now been where you're at? Yeah, so we uh, we moved out of Branson in the fall of 2012. Wow! And so we've been in this country in Southeast Asia uh, for be 11 years. Wow! Yeah, all three of our uh, daughters were born there. I love that. Well, you know what? What I'm going to do is I'm going to bring this session to a close, and we're going to have a second session about these very things because we want you guys to hear what is going on now and how God's using their gifts and their talents for His glory, okay? So, guys, thank you all so very much for being here. Chris, Lauren, thank you guys for being a part of the Kennecook Institute. If you're out there hearing this message today, I hope your heart is being encouraged that when God calls, He provides. And we have learned to be content in whatever circumstance because God, if he's in it, man, he makes his will very clear to us. So guys, thank you all for listening today. We love you and thank you for being a part of our listening team. We're so thankful for you. Hey, God bless and have a great day now. Bye now. Bye.